Our reading is called A Knock at the Door. It's, I've taken some excerpts from a sermon by Michael Tino, who is minister of UU Fellowship of Northern Westchester, New York. Right here in this community, undocumented workers, many of whom also have children who are citizens and spouses with green cards, are routinely swept up in raids, often in the wee hours of the morning and under the dark cloak of night. That knock on the door comes too often for our neighbors, and often their only hope is that someone knows that they've been taken. Immigration officials count on the fact that to many in our community, our immigrant neighbors are not human beings with inherent worth and dignity, but disposable laborers soon to be replaced by others. As a matter of theology, as a simple way of affirming and promoting the very first of our Unitarian Universalist principles, we need to do what we can to humanize the immigrants in our community, to understand them as our neighbors, to see them as strangers worthy of our hospitality, to challenge ourselves to work so that their inherent worth and dignity is respected by all in society. And on this issue, our theology runs smack up against the brick wall of politics. Despite the fact that working in this country without proper documentation is a crime comparable to speeding, we insist that those who have come here to seek a better life are criminals. <clears throat> I thought I could get through this. We get angry because, after all, <clears throat> there are supposed to be legal ways to come into this country, aren't there? The truth is that for most poor people around our world, the legal immigration system is impossible to penetrate. In rushing to make these hard workers into criminals, we lose sight of the fact that it was not so long ago that millions of Irish and Italian immigrants got off of boats without paperwork and became a part of American society. We need to be paying attention. We need to be ready. We need to be willing to stand on the side of love. <laughs> because no one should live in fear of a knock on the door. Maria's story. Maria is not the storyteller's real name. Linda and I had asked her to come to the service to tell her story. She would be perfect. We knew her to be strong, determined, outgoing, personable, she agreed when we asked her. She wanted to tell her story. And for what we knew of her story, it would be so beneficial to our congregation, to, for our congregation to hear. Then, when we sat down with her to plan her testimony, everything changed. She was afraid to come. The fear of deportation that she and her family live with every day came out in our conversation with her. We quickly decided she would, not, she would tell her story to us, and we would disguise any identifying references to her and her family and relay her testimony to you this morning. We knew a bit about Maria's background, but we were not prepared for the story you are about to hear. Maria's mother left her at a very young age with grandparents in Mexico while she traveled to Oregon. The family was very poor, living on tortillas and some fruit. Finally, her mother decided Maria needed to leave. This is not unlike the story that Sarah told in The Time for All Ages. Her grandparents were aging and had trouble caring for her. Gang and drug violence were increasing to a very dangerous level in their town. Maria, at age seven, had to leave her loving family with paid strangers on a journey she did not understand and was terrifying to her. She
She remembers buses and trains with strangers, then finally a car ride to Oregon. In Oregon, she was terribly unhappy. She missed her grandparents, didn't really have memories of her mother and her birth mother, and joined a family where she encountered an abusive stepfather. She married very young to escape this situation at home and subsequently returned to Mexico with her husband at the direction of his parents. But again, gang violence, poverty forced them to return to the United States. So, Maria began another journey north, this time as a teenager. They were not prepared for the cold desert nights and many times lost their way, avoiding border patrols. Again, like the story. Back in Oregon, her life was very difficult. They had three children, and again, she encountered domestic abuse, this time from her husband. She finally filed for divorce, even though the prospects of supporting her children on her own were dim. I decided that this would be the last time I would allow my children to see him hit me, she told us tearfully but resolutely. At one point, she was working from 7 a.m. to 1 a.m., picking blueberries during the day and then packing strawberries at night. The next few years, she lived in a van and then with a friend who took them in. She found work as an aide in an elder care facility. She loved the work. It reminded her, it reminded her of her grandparents. She left in Mexico many years ago. Then she met her current husband, a caring, supportive man she loves and with whom she can share her life. Even though after these struggles, she has improved her family situation, she relayed, the exper she, she relayed experience after experience to us, demonstrating the racial prejudice that she and her family endures in Washington County every day. They include a neighbor yelling, those beanos are out again, when her children came out to play. Another neighbor, a young man, taunting, threatening her children. A daughter that was bullied mentally and physically at school by white girls. A woman in the grocery store telling her and her daughter to speak English when they were conversing in Spanish. She tells of police and school officials often failing to come to her aid. During our conversation, her phone buzzes. She excuses herself and says she must take this. It's a call about an ice raid in an apartment complex near to hers where many immigrants live. They have taken one person into custody, on, and they are on their way to ICE headquarters in Portland for processing. We tell her of the number to report ICE raids, but it has already been called, and a lawyer was on their way to try to help them as best they could. They could. She is shaken, and we pause for a moment. She begins to tell us of her fear of losing her husband, a good man she has finally found. The positive attitude we have always observed with her disappears, and we listen. It was different before. People were friendlier. It was more peaceful with other presidents. I didn't worry so much about being deported. My husband works very hard. We pay taxes. We are not criminals. We just want to work. We just want to take care of our children. I'm working on my GED, 
But sometimes my fellow, my fellow students and I say, why do we study? Our DACA dream is dead. I feel we are hiding in the darkness and will never, never be able to come out. I got through it. <laughs> Sadly, Maria's story is representative of millions of similar stories in our country today. Did you forget we're human? Don't you know we are the same? We are treating immigrants documented and undocumented inhumanely, seemingly forgetting they're human. Specifically, for a Unitarian Universalist, this runs completely counter to our first principle, the inherent worth and dignity of every person. As Reverend Tino wrote in our reading, as a simple way of affirming and promoting our first principles, we need to see them as strangers, strangers worthy of our hospitality. Universally, faiths call for, call for this moral hospitality. Hebrew sacred te texts teach love for the foreigner because you are foreigners in the land of Egypt. Christian scripture reports Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan about a foreigner who treated a badly beaten man as the foreigner would like to be treated. The Quran teaches doing good to those in need, neighbors who are near, neighbors who are strangers, the companion by your side, the wayfarer that you meet. And for me personally, as I've learned more and more about these and experienced more about this issue and experienced these stories, it's become a work that I must do. As a Unitarian, as a grandfather, as an American, and as a human. It goes way beyond a political issue. It's a moral one. It's moral hospitality. Did you forget we're human? Don't you know we are the same? There are numerous examples of the denials of rights to immigrants, the rights that most of us take for granted. Immigrants labor in unsafe and unhealthy conditions, many times fearful of protesting and unable to object due to language and local knowledge. Linda and I recently heard some immigrant carpenters telling of working beyond the legal hours into the darkness while the job site was officially closed and locked, they left their work scaling the job site fence. Immigrants suffer huge losses due to wage theft. Any of us from Wolf who volunteer at Western Farm Workers hear of wages not being paid to their members. Immigrants are also more likely to be cheated by landlords. Western Farm Works documents new cases every month where uninhabitable conditions are not remedied and security deposits owed to immigrants are not paid. Maria's story in our reading, A Knock on the Door, showed the fear that 12 million, 12 million undocumented immigrants experience every day. Under the Trump administration this year, immigration arrests were up 40% over last year. But even more importantly, arrests of persons without any criminal record doubled. Most of these 12 million people live in mixed status families, so a deported mother could leave behind her children 
and her husband. Did you forget we're human? Don't you know we are the same? Being in the United States without documentation is a civil, not even a criminal offense. Moreover, people come here to escape unbearable conditions in their home countries, like we heard in the story, like we heard with Maria. Despite this, our country conducts raids in the early morning hours where children see their parents handcuffed and taken away. Courthouses are now not out of bounds for undercover agents racially profiling people. In fact, American Civil Liberties Union has reported more than 10 cases of arrests at the Washington County Courthouse, right in our neighborhood, including, including a mother that was arrested while her children waited at a babysitter. This also includes racial profiling. Many of you may have heard on the, the news about an American citizen surrounded by ICE agents and asking if this is, if this is your picture. It was not. He's an American citizen. Finally, protesters that were at the courthouse anyway kind of surrounded the ICE agents in the car and, and they left. This is an American citizen. So this is, this court, these courthouse arrests have led to questions of, questions of the previous policy of ICE not taking actions in what they call sensitive locations, like courthouses, schools, and churches. We think this is a safe place. Who knows? The Trump administration has fanned the flames of fear of the other. Fear has become a social and a political force that incorrectly labels people as illegals, terrorists, criminals. Remember the situation described by Maria in her everyday life in Washington County. But people are not just standing by in our community. Wolf partners with Western farm workers as they provide physical, emotional, and advocacy support for immigrants in Hillsborough. Every last Thursday at 10 a.m., 30 to 50 people of all faiths participate in the vigil at Portland Ice Headquarters in southwest Portland. Every second Thursday, people participate in meditative walks around the Ice Headquarters. Caravans go to an ice holding facility in the Dells. These are all sponsored by Interfaith Movement for Immigrant Justice, and many, many Wolf members and friends uh, participate. The social justice team has had immigrant justice as one of their major initiatives for the last two years. Can we do more? Should you do more? What can we do? Did you forget we're human? Don't you know we're all the same? We have a list of actions you can take for immigrant justice. So please stop by the social action corner in the basement of the church after, uh, after services and pick one of these sheets. It lists a whole page of things that you can do, you, that you can do more. Rather than take questions now, Linda and I will be downstairs to discuss this service with you and these injustices with you. We'd love to have you talk to us. Our theme this month is hospitality. In the case of showing hospitality to our immigrant brothers and sisters, 
I feel we don't have a choice. By our actions, we must see them as strangers, worthy of hospitality. As Reverend Tracy said this morning, we need to feel the love in our body, and we need to have the courage to show it to the world. Let's conclude the service by remembering that the Reverend Martin Luther King, Jr. invoked us to remain awake to injustices such as this and to not let the opportunity fight against them pass us by. May we heed his words. Thank you, Jack and Linda.